You know, toe, toes out. We know you you African brothers like to wear the sandals with the toes out, man. We, we know that the African uncles, we, we know how they rock, man. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll be sure to have some saddles out, you know, in New Orleans and here on episode 44 of the Block to Block podcast. Best podcast in the world for all things web free. Here we break down the technology, what's going on in the market, and the ways in which you can benefit. I am NFT and Jai. And I am Web3 Wayne. And over here, the talk is different. Yes, sir. Always, always different. And as y'all know, there's only one part of the talk that has to stay the same. Every week, we are consistently telling you that this podcast, this show, is only, 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 only for informational purposes. It is not for financial advice. So please, 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 if you don't want to lose your cheese, cheddar, mozzarella, provolone, you're going to go ahead and consult a financial advisor or any other financial professional that can help you double, triple, quadruple your bread. Um, and with that, let's get the pie started. Let's get it started, man. Episode 44. This places us at 11 months of the podcast. Oh, shoot. Well, we got a we got a year coming up in August. Did we start this last August? Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. You know, since we do this week every week, you know, time just flies when you're having fun. But yeah, yeah. You know, it's important to commemorate like just the journey that we have done in terms of like doing a podcast and just really diving into this industry of Web3, right? You've seen yeah. a lot of highs, you've seen a bunch of lows, you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, but it's been a beautiful journey because we have been learning a lot. So shout out to 11 months of consistency, baby. Have yeah, a missed Thursday. Man. Hey man, it's commitment. Commitment at its finest. Commitment at its finest. We might we might have to bring bring back a, a that that developer series too when we hit that that fifty two you know fifty two week mark mm. have uh, seven streams hop on uh, you know nifty nifty Nico come on I, I don't know I don't know what her name gonna be but you know <laughs> get we the, should ask her yeah. I'm gonna call it nanotech Nico <laughs> oh that's a good one that's a good one. She's probably looking, listening like, man, shut up, y'all. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> with that aside, you know, shout out to consistency. You know, biggest tip for all, everybody who's listening, no matter what you do, if you're dedicated to something, be consistent in it. That's it. And with that consistency, we have consistently been outside and consistently bring, bring you to events. You know, shout out to Dave Ramsey and the Deep Roots family. We yes, had a case last week, last Friday out of Cleveland. That was that was a crazy, crazy experience, man. Welcome Wayne made me drive the entire way from Philly to Cleveland, both there and back. Passenger Prince, out. baby. Passenger <laughs> Prince. Right, but it, it was dope, man. Just like showing up to Cleveland, being in that ecosystem and just meeting with people in person, right? And so that was yeah. a good experience. But the show must go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, look, before we before we go, I watch y'all the dough. Okay. NFT and Jive was like, man, you're not driving my car. I didn't I didn't see, I didn't heard how you how you New Orleans 
you know, you know, all this folk drive. You ain't gonna be driving my vehicle, man. I asked this man multiple times. I'm like, hey, I, I can hop on. He was like, nah, man, I, I got it. I got it. So listen, if y'all wanna know what the real story is, two sides of every story. This man ain't even let me touch the wheel, man. He ain't let me touch the I wheel. I let you touch the wheel when we got to the city. Uh -huh, yeah, that's about it. That's when I was tired. That's I was like, right, go ahead, take the keys. <laughs> He was like, oh, we got to go run errands? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could drive. You could drive. <laughs> Crazy, y'all. Crazy. Yeah. You know, hey, we, we should have recorded that and just made it like a whole Chronicle series. <laughs> <laughs> facts. Facts. Yeah, that's, that's what we have to do for, for our next shows that's coming up. Speaking of, let the people know what's, what's coming. Look, we coming in hot. What's, what's coming in for, for next week? What we got coming Coming for for the next week, nothing nothing so short of history. That's what it has to be said because next week, next Thursday on the 29th, we have the Simply New Orleans Showcase, a Mister Out the Frame experience with the one and only Patrick Henry. Yes, sir. It's gonna be dope. You know, next week is historic because it's going to be Essence Fest in New Orleans from that Thursday to Sunday, right? And we're kicking off our event, kicking off Essence Fest, which is our really amazing art showcase. It's going to be happening at um, Canal Studios on like Canal Street, like that big luxury mall outlet. They have like an arts, uh, artistic space in there. And, you know, we're just going to have an exquisite experience in which you get to see just the culture, the vibrancies, the music, the essence of New Orleans, all through the perspective of Patrick Henry. And, you know, his work is dope. They call him Miss Out the Frame because his work's literally out the frame, yes. right? He specializes in, like, making 3D art on wood canvases, and it's amazing. I know Wilfrey Wayne here is a collector of his. Got some of his works. Multiple got, of his works. <laughs> I, got, I got too much. I got too much of his works. I got, I got prints. I got real, real art. It got to the point my girlfriend was like, hey, uh, I think we need, we need some, some different art. You know, we, we can't just have one person all over our walls. I was like, ah, you right. You right. Taking up too much real estate. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. So, you know, Patrick, he's Jamaican. So basically she went me, she made me go out and buy Haitian art. So we got some Haitian art sitting in the in the 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 uh the studio room as well. The creative the creative room, if you will. That's that's what we call this space. The creative room, if so, you will. That's what we call this space. Um, yeah, shout out to the Caribbean, shout out to my West Indian folk. You feel yeah, me? Yeah, man, this, this is especially gonna be New Orleans, especially New Orleans. Yeah, it's gonna be a great time, man. I mean, I'm excited to uh, to do an art show back down in my hometown in my city, man. It's it's been a long time coming. I'm excited to to do something with Patrick. Um, it's crazy, you know, when I first met Patrick. Didn't know this is, uh, you know, this is how we'd be working together. I don't even think we had a fully fleshed out, you know, like blockchain situation figured out. We might have just started talking about it, you know, integrating it into our business. So it's crazy that's kind of coming full circle. Um, I actually met Patrick not too far from over there. He was doing uh, Luna Fett, which is a, a light, a light show down in New Orleans, um, and, and we met there. Saw his artwork. Uh, it was really dope, and you know, matter of fact, the the artwork that we actually bought that night 
is still back down in New Orleans at my my parents' crib. So, listen, Patrick, he holds a, a special place in my heart, and you know it's really dope to to be able to uh, to bring his technology to to you know help transform how he does you know does work and and you know uh, hoping right it transforms the the way that he makes money and, and makes a living for his family. Uh, not that he needs our, uh, much of our help. He he's a uh, you know well-established artist, uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely up and coming. Uh, you know he's had his his work as part of the uh, Treme Fest poster. Uh, he does Jazz Fest every year. He's done you know Essence Art Show as well. Um, was the um, the featured artist for Fried Chicken Fest, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he's done just, you know, amazing work over the past, you know, few years and, and really has been been up and coming. So come out, check us out, come experience some amazing art. You will not be disappointed. Uh, we will have complimentary drinks and complimentary food there. And we have a raffle going on as well. So we're raffling off one of Patrick's pieces. You'll be able to get and Mr. Out the Frame artwork, which is very much, uh, you know, high class art for $10. $10 and you have the, the chance to win some artwork from, you know, a renowned artist in the New Orleans ecosystem. So definitely come out, check us out. It's going to be a great, great time. Uh, we're really excited about this one. Like I said, this is one that's, that's near and dear in the hometown, doing it with Patrick. Uh, Canal Place is going to be crazy. Come kick off your Essence weekend with us. Uh, it's going to be a nice little, you know, exquisite experience before you go and, and you know, get busy for the weekend. So come yeah. hang out with us. It's, it's going to be, whew, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fire. First time NFT and Jai is coming down to New Orleans. He he been he been ducking and dodging me for years now. So I'm finally getting him out there in that heat, y'all. Y'all gotta come show him a good time. Not even that. I've been begging, crying and begging for years to come down to New Orleans. And Webster Wayne's always like, nah. <sighs> it's more like the universe, man. It ain't me. You supposed to come down. What was it 2021? You was supposed to come. 2020, but COVID happened. 2020 COVID happened. I think 2021 too, and then something happened that time. All types of stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, some some always happens. So, but listen, I'll I'll say this: every time I come to a city for the first time, we have to be doing something major. We went. I went to Atlanta for the first time last month, and we had that fire showcase with Zeke. And yeah. Now, my first time in New Orleans, we're gonna have a fire showcase as well. So, yes, sir. for me to come to your city. We got to make history. I'm just saying. That's it. That's the only way to do it. That's the only way to do it. And, and best believe we're not stopping at New Orleans. It's just the beginning. So definitely stay tuned for, for all the events that's that's to come. Uh, we have some some special things cooking up with some special people, man. It's, it's really an honor to be working with all of the, you know, organizations and businesses that uh, trust us, you know, with this this innovative vision, man. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm Jumping out out my chair, man. Damn near jumping out the gym. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely, absolutely. But with that, you know, the people are here for the Web3 news. They're trying to get into it. So how about we just start them off quickly with our world-famous quick take? 
Ooh, we got me coming in hot as as you usually do, but it's it's all good. I, I love coming in hot, uh, and we gonna kick today's show off talking about none other than Bitcoin itself. So we just want to talk a little bit about what to know about crypto investing as regulators weigh the first spot Bitcoin ETF or exchange traded funds. This is a, a big, big moment for Bitcoin as we see institutional investors really come heavy into the game. And, you know, with that, BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, has applied to list a U.S. spot Bitcoin ETF. If successful, this would be the first of its kind since all such spot ETF applications have been rejected so far by the SEC. Let's see if BlackRock has some pulling power that some of these other companies didn't have. Let's see. Let's see how this goes. So what is a spot Bitcoin ETF, you may ask? So it's an investment vehicle that tracks the price of a Bitcoin and allows investors the ability to invest in BTC or Bitcoin without requiring them to directly own and store the underlying asset. So you could think of it as your traditional mutual fund or index fund. But in this case, a focused on. Uh, the largest cryptocurrency in the world, Bitcoin. So it's allowing us little people to get in the game. And if you don't know, this is absolutely a game changer and something that, that you should be on top of. Again, this is not financial advice, but definitely bring this article to your financial advisor because you know this this might be something that's that's big for you in terms of investments. Um, and, you know, since this news, right, the price of Bitcoin has gained more than 20%, and investors are excited about the future prospects of Bitcoin. Now, many argue it is unlikely that the application would get approved, but we must mention that BlackRock's record at getting ETFs approved by the SEC is golden at a record of 575 to 1. So it is highly likely that Bitcoin will get approved, right? And, you know, there's still some caution that you know your professional investor would give you um again seek out a, a financial advisor but you know making sure that you know you're you're not doing high risk to, to bitcoin make sure that when you're talking to your financial advisor you are looking at this as one of your investments um and not everything that you're you're putting all your eggs in, in your basket uh for and i'm sure your, your financial advisor will tell you that or any financial professional that you trust will tell you that. So definitely consult, you know, one of them. But really excited to see what the prospects of Bitcoin are. And with that, that's our quick take for the day. Dope, 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 dope. Yeah, so definitely some monumental news in terms of Bitcoin even getting more steps towards, like, being, like, adopted from an institutional standpoint, right? Yeah. Because, you know, currently, right, when it comes to, like, the U.S. population, like, as of 2022, they say, like, 21% of Americans have invested in cryptocurrency in some form or fashion, whether that be Bitcoin or your other cryptocurrencies out there. And so with an ETF, right, we could see, like, more adoption. But one question I want to pose, though, because we're talking about, like, cryptocurrency, like, this thing that used to be heralded as kind of anti-establishment now seemingly in a pathway to be adopted by establishment 
The question is, is this a good move for Bitcoin and really the entire crypto space? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, and so I would say there's there's always two sides of the coin, right? So there are some some pros to this, right? So the the positive is that like you said, there's only 20, 21% of adults, right? So there's roughly what over 300 million uh, you know, citizens in the US. You know, if we're saying that there's 20% of everyone, right, that's only 60 million people. And this is probably less than that. And so there is a huge opportunity uh, when it comes to the market and, you know, offering this, this investment vehicle uh, as an option for, uh, you know, more common people, your non-crypto natives. And this does that for them, right? So, you know, the first pro, the, the first positive of this is the ease of investment. So, you know, instead of having to get a crypto wallet and really learning the mechanics of Web3 for you to, you know, get in, you know, into investing into to Bitcoin, you could just use your brokerage account, right? And invest to, into that that Bitcoin ETF that Black BlackRock is looking at putting out. Um, so I think, you know, from the ease of investment standpoint, this is a really good move. Another thing, another way that this could be positive for, you know, Bitcoin, the industry as a whole, uh, is that a spot BTC ETF would be regulated by the SEC, right? And and so that gives investors some assurance that the ETF is going to be managed responsibly, um, but also, right, they know that in two or three months, the SEC can't really say, oh, well, you know what? I don't really like X, Y, and Z, so, you know, we're going to put a lawsuit out against them, right, outside of what's already there in terms of the rules. Shout out to so, so I think that, you know, it again is, it would be a good signal to cryptocurrency, uh, the cryptocurrency space where, okay, there is uh, some slimmer of light in there. It's not, you know, the, the full thing is not everything that's needed. Uh, but I think that it's still a move in the right direction, um, that there is some ways that you know, people can interact with your cryptocurrencies, with your Bitcoin without fear of, you know, whether or not that will be, uh, you know, eventually become a, a negative crypto, right? Or a negative instrument of um, investment because of what's going on with the SEC or because of, you know, it being mismanaged by uh, some exchange, right? Um, so it, it really gives some hope in, in that regards. Now, where the, the, the negative comes in, right, where it's, it's a, not the, the best situation, is that what you're essentially doing is fractionalizing Bitcoin. Um, so you are making it more accessible, but you are also, in a way, inflating. And this might not necessarily be a negative Thing, but um, by fractionalizing it, you know, you uh, essentially 
create demand or create, you know, make it more accessible where demand can rise. You create an environment for demand to rise. Um, in, in those cases, usually, um, even if it doesn't happen as soon as they launch it, at some point that demand starts to inflate. And in, of course, if the demand is inflating, then the, the cost is going to inflate as well. Right. And so I think that we can definitely see increased costs depending on who you talk to. This this negative might be a good thing. Right. Um, and so when you when you buy crypto, you might have to pay gas fees. Uh, but otherwise, it's a it's a one time thing, whereas ETFs charge management fees as well, uh, which are perpetual. So, you know, you have increased costs as well and just getting involved with Bitcoin, um, which is kind of the, the second negative to it is that you, um, you know, it's nothing for you. You might have gas fees like mentioned here, but it's nothing for you to get a crypto wallet, pay your gas fee at one time. And now you, you know, you have the currency. That, that Bitcoin, right? You have that crypto. You don't have to pay for it ever again. It's there. It's yours. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> I think that <clears throat> whether this is good or not for Bitcoin is in just crypto in general is a very nuanced answer. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's, you know, that's, that's really what we're, we're looking at, you know, that there's some, some positives to it. Um, and then there's also some negatives to it that I think if you are somebody that's looking into this, you just have to be cautious as, as anything. But um, as we laid out, you know, ease of investment and regulation is some of the, the bright spots you can you can look for and things you'll want to talk about. Um, and then also increased costs and, you know, the increase of the price of Bitcoin is also some things that you want to just have some some larger discussions around. And, and what does that actually look like uh, for your ETF and for the total price of Bitcoin? Absolutely. And another thing that's important to note, right? So in the likelihood that this gets approved, like BlackRock's filing by the SEC, for the SEC gets approved, we can see very much a domino effect for the crypto industry at large, right? Like, as we know, all know, when it comes to crypto, Bitcoin's the big dog, like, and they really set the direction and the pace for the industry as a whole. So once we get to a point where we have some sort of spot Bitcoin ETF, and for available for the, for the masses, I won't be surprised for like a couple of years afterwards, we start to see more filings, probably by BlackRock or other huge institutions of like different types of cryptocurrencies, right? Like you have your different types of ETFs, like your high growth cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin being seen more as like a blue stock chip or like, um, how do you say... A, a safer option, if you will, right? Yeah. Like, relatively speaking. And I, I won't be surprised, especially since Gary Gensler, you know, head of the SEC, he's been taking this viewpoint of essentially all of these cryptocurrencies are securities. Yeah. So what better way than to have like ETFs that are accessible to the masses where it's like, okay, you can have an ETF that has some kind of pool of like Matic, Cardano, Ripple, possibly mm -hmm. popular cryptocurrencies. So that's another thing. You know, we're on 
we're at the stage in which these moves can have huge implications for the industry as a whole as we continue to progress. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a that's a great point. Um, but you know, with that, that gets me thinking, what does that mean for decentralization, right? So does this concept of having these BTC ETFs, does that undermine that idea of decentralization, right? Like now you have these huge firms that are, you know, coming in and, and saying, hey, you know, this is this ETF, you know, we in some way they start control the the price of bitcoin right they the, the more they're like almost purposefully and intentionally inflating the price of bitcoin I, i'm not trying to strike this down i'm, I'm not trying to get on uh, black rocks hit list for saying this but um i don't know nft and jai what, what do you think about that right does does the btc etf undermine the idea of decentralization Right. So I'll say this, the notion of decentralization, right, being that we can have these cryptocurrencies that don't have no central authority that controls it all. We can operate in this free economy, if you will, free of like governmental intervention and whatnot. That's been proven over the years to just be a fallacy, right? It's a dream that been purported to us, the masses, right? But it's not reality if we're being quite frank the fact that we're seeing lawsuits by the sec that um regulators are taking a lot of actions that are seen as punitive within the space as a whole kind of tells you that okay if it's quote-unquote decentralized like how are these actions being taken to begin with right and you see these organizations are having to comply right so with that saying like the idea of like an etf that's centralization, okay? Because you have these these instruments in which you're not going to own Bitcoin directly, right? It's not going to be in your crypto wallet where it's accessible and you can just like use it to make a transaction. You're just going to have an ETF within your portfolio. All right, the cat keeps jumping <laughs> over the... You see, my cat, he's like... He's really upset with like my points. He's like, no, decentralization is real. It's not. <laughs> He's a Bitcoin maximalist. He, he He's knows. a Bitcoin maximalist. He knows what it is. I'm a keep it real, keep it realist, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I don't even think that that's even close to being a word. But all right, let's 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 go with it. Keep it realist. <laughs> but these ETFs are going to be regulated by the SEC a centralized governmental agency, right? Now, that's not to say that it's a bad move because for those reasons you mentioned before, now that your everyday person can gain exposure to Bitcoin in an indirect manner, if you will, and have it in their portfolio. And it's easy. Like, it's not this whole hoopla of getting these crypto wallets, going to these exchanges, keeping it on exchange, possibly losing your crypto. Like, you have a proven investment vehicle via ETF, right? So great in terms of helping with mass adoption, but it totally does undermine the notion of decentralization. Now, the negative argument, the um, contrarian argument to that though is, 
it also does depend on how the ETF gets structured, right? Like if we have an ETF where it's holding Bitcoin directly, okay, that's a bit more of like a decentralization play versus if this ETF is a mixture of like holding Bitcoin directly, but it's investing in companies that own Bitcoin because that also promotes centralization, the latter. So it, it really depends. But overall, if you was asking me, this completely undermines the notion of decentralization because nothing about this speaks decentralization. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. And I, I would say, too, like it is the complete opposite of DeFi, right? Mm -hmm. this, this whole uh, notion of, of DeFi where, you know, these algorithms are kind of controlling like how the, the finance happens within you know a platform uh it's completely different than you know blackrock as a company coming out and saying hey you know we we have this etf we want to do it's based off of bitcoin which is decentralized but the etf is very much a centralized product based off of it so it's like a, a some type of blend between tradfi and um i don't even want to call it DeFi. it's really the Tradifying like crypto, but so I think for me, I'm interested to see where where those lines start to blur, right? Like right now, BlackRock is doing what they know. Um, I think BlackRock is doing something that they know. Also, the SEC might be more okay with. It's something that that they've seen. ETFs are fairly new as well, right, um, in terms of financial instruments. So it's something that they know that it still feels like a bit of something that that is innovative in terms of the financial world. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see how, you know, this grows where you have these traditional banks, these traditional financial institutions that come in and start using maybe some of the concepts of the, the DeFi world, right? Um, but yeah, in, in my brain, there's, there's almost no doubt in my mind that this is, this is something that is directly opposite of decentralization. And it is something that's cool. Like, I mean, you know, it's happening. It is what it is, but at the same time, man, like, I think this is where things start to go off the rails a little bit and, and where we start to see some some, to see some some bastardization of the original innovation and you know what it's what it's supposed to be used for. But I, I digress. I digress. I, I'm 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 gonna stop there. I but, so great I, I love I love your input. Um, you know, I, I think you 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 gave us two sides of the coin. I think that, you know, it made a lot of sense in terms of like the way that BlackRock goes about it or any other, you know, investor goes about it is going to determine what, you know, will be centralized or decentralized. It's not cutting dry, just saying, oh, it's an ETF. It's not decentralized, right? Like there are ways to make this ETF product or a future ETF product more decentralized and you know possibly uh more beneficial let's say for the investor who knows but yeah 
with that, man, I'm I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop talking. Um, would love to hear a little bit more. Let's let's switch gears a little bit and and hear about some of the the blockchain initiatives that's going on around the world. NFT and Jive, let, let the people know what we got uh, going on in the market. So, Coinbase, you know, one of the biggest crypto exchanges in the world, they just launched a report around their findings of how more than half of the Fortune 100, so the largest 100 companies within the US, are actively developing blockchain initiatives so they can maintain their global edge. So, Coinbase recently, within this week, posted out this report when they found that 52% of these Fortune 100 companies are actively pursuing crypto, blockchain, or Web3 initiatives since the start of 2020. And 60% of these projects actually were either in pre-launch or have been launched in 2022. And so really the big reasoning behind this is because these companies recognize that the financial system is centuries old. It needs a major rehaul. And they see that blockchain technology can really be a foundational solution. And we, if you pay attention to every episode of Block to Block, when we talk about what's happening within these different regions of the world and how these different regions are adopting blockchain technology to create real solutions, it's really imperative that these U.S. companies are involved with this as well so they don't lose their edge from a global economic standpoint so within this report we found that 75 percent of these initiatives are specifically within tech financial services and retail and collectively these companies have been making a lot of private investments over 109 private venture capital investments across 80 different blockchain startups since 2017 collectively bring in, if you was to add them all together, near $8 billion of investment. And when it comes to their own initiatives within their firms, the average project budget for these initiatives are around $5.8 million. Mm. And the report don't stop there. You know, they also took a chance to like survey the collective Fortune 500 executives and found that 87% of these, of these executives did note that a huge barrier within the industry is the lack of clear rules and stance from the U.S. leadership and lawmakers and the problem that instead of making new rules to really navigate and to create mandates within the space, we've been enforcing a lot of older rules, which just don't really fit, right? And so they're imploring that U.S. lawmakers create a new set of regulations as it relates to all things Web3. And, you know, a lot of these executives also realize that there's a lot at stake at a global level, right? We talked about this in a previous episode, but by 2030, we expect to have a million Web3 developer or blockchain developer jobs available and 3 million non-technical roles will be created as well that's related to Web3 all by 2030. And so far, the U.S. has been losing its share of global developers. You know, we went from having like 40% down to 29%. And so, you know, U.S. fortune leaders are seeing like really it for us to like help turn this tide around. We do have to have just a clear regulatory stance and direction within the U.S. in order to ensure that U.S. companies can keep their edge from a global level. 
But that's really the main takeaways from the Coinbase report. You know, there's a lot of work behind the scenes from these top Fortune 100 companies to bring these blockchain initiatives into their organizations, whether it's them developing their own projects or really investing in other companies. But all of them also agreed that we need to have a clear regulatory environment. So with that, with Ruane, what can we learn from the fact that these Fortune 100 companies are playing within the space? And what's really the takeaway for the audience? Hey, man, the takeaway is Coinbase is on the lawmakers' ass, man. They say, y'all keep playing around, we got you. We're going to go ahead and, and drop this report on y'all head top. Mm -hmm. Y'all think it's a game. We're going we gonna to put some money into this. Y'all going gonna to feel what we're talking it, about. It was like um, Denzel off a of training day. You think you can do this to me? Right, 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 right. Man, they said, listen, listen. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. Mm -hmm. And I say this, $8 billion, that don't lie. That don't lie at all. Right. Just about top 100 companies. Exactly. Exactly. That Those numbers don't lie. But we're talking about venture capital investment from the top 100 companies. So that means that they're, they're going to invest in things that they believe at some point is going to be, you know, the next innovation. And, and it's really going to, you know, be something that, um, in some way, shape, or form, is going to take their their business forward. It's going to take their business possibly to the next level. So mm. that means that they're putting their money, honestly, where they where their brains are. Right? They're, they're putting their money and saying, "Hey, we see the trends right now. We see what these companies are doing." Right? I mean, we just talked about BlackRock. Right? They they saw what, even though they had you know negative press as of late it is not just press right they, they did terrible things ftx terra luna they saw that hey they have this financial innovation that a lot of people are rocking with for you to even get to the point where you know you're in the situation that you're in you gotta make money because people are uh you know interested in what you're doing and, and you know are willing to put some some money into it so i think that you know, one of the big takeaways is Coinbase ain't playing around. <laughs> That's one of the big takeaways. Second takeaway is that these companies, these Fortune 100 companies, um, you know, kudos to Coinbase for putting this together. These Fortune 100 companies, uh, you know, they they truly see the, the vision and, and they believe that this technology is something that, that's going to be uh, foundational for their businesses. Uh, but then the takeaway number three is that just as much as, you know, the regulation and laws can stifle innovation, the lack of, right, can also stifle that innovation. And that's why if you go back and, and watch our previous episodes, we, we had our, our list of, of ways to kind of uh, evaluate different um, different ecosystems, different economies, and, you know, how they may be, uh, you know, good or bad for the Web3 market. And one of the things that we said was regulatory environment, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't just say the regulation. We said the environment in general, right? The, uh, the EU, their regulation is probably one of the toughest that we've seen thus far, right? 
but there's still clarity there, right? There, there's still ways that you can you can work through it and get through it and, and figure things out to where you know I can, you know, begin to build something like knowing, having the peace of mind that I don't have to worry about um, whether or not this is going to come back and, and bite me in the behind later, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's that's huge that they said, okay, let's go ahead and not just Fortune 100, let's go survey Fortune 500 executives, right? And getting 87% of them, you know, nearly 90% of all executives saying that, you know, it's really it's really the, the regulatory environment. There, there aren't clear rules. Like, we, we need not only the enforcement of these older rules, but we need new rules. We need rules that are also innovative, trying to apply rules that are 100, 500, shoot, even at the the rate of innovation, 50 years old, trying to apply those rules to what we have now is asinine, right? It's it's ridiculous. Like we we honestly need, and I I think this is also not to just come at congressmen. I think there needs to be uh, some effort from, you know, a lot more of the Web3 environment, not saying that, that, you know, the people within the Web3 industry haven't been offering up um you know services and advice and um you know perspective but definitely you know it's time to 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 get more into it and you know get active and and figure out ways to help lawmakers to to structure this this regulatory environment in a way that's beneficial uh for innovation and allows for our startups and our web3 developers to come back into the u.s you know, we, we often talk about creating jobs. This is a great opportunity um, to create more jobs for people um, and, and really push, you know, push the, the, the envelope and, and push the, the industry forward. Um, so those those are my three big takeaways. I thought that, you know, this is a great report by Coinbase. Um, and I think there's really a lot here for us to kind of take away and, and um, taking to next steps and next action items. Yeah. And I'll say this for the vast audience, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're just somebody who's trying to keep up with like trends and technology, don't play yourself by assuming that blockchain, all things Web3, is just dead because of what happened with FTX and like the market downturn and the fact that generative AI specifically is all up in the news, right? As we mentioned in every episode, these technologies stay and these technologies will converge on together in order to make more impactful solutions. And do you really think like these companies who collectively invested like $8 billion in capital towards investing in blockchain companies, towards doing their own projects and initiatives are just going to scrap them and kick it to the wayside? Absolutely not. They're really building and they're really thinking for the long term. And so it's important that you also think for the long term as well. So some key takeaways I would say specifically for the entrepreneurs is, you know, do some research into like what these top Fortune 100 companies are doing, right? Like I really suggest like make a list of those companies, like the ones that are directly in your space and seeing like, okay, we know like most of them are like in tech, financial services or retail. So what's going on? Like what's going on with 
an Apple or Microsoft or whoever, like what is it that they're doing? What ecosystems have they got it, have created? Which companies have it from, right? So much, and it will be a disservice to all of us if we just don't take it seriously and we just assume because this technology is not really as heavy in the media cycle as an AI or whichever technology that comes. that it's all dead. Like it's not dead. It's oh, sorry, my computer froze up for a second. Okay, I, I thought that was that was mine. I think that might have been me. I don't know. My my Wi Fi has been a bit iffy as of as of late. Um, but I miss I missed the last part. Yeah, essentially, man. Like, don't play yourselves. Like. Pay attention to what's going on and seeing how, like, you can leverage this information for yourself, whether that's looking into what these companies are doing within the space and seeing, like, how you can directly benefit, whether it's getting tied with the ecosystem. Maybe it's even if you're, like, a retail investor, like, investing in these firms who are doing things within Web3, you know? All types, there's all types of opportunities that are presented through this report. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's um, even for people who aren't entrepreneurs, right? If if you are, um, you know, you you are an employee, that is something for you to to be looking at. If you're looking at ways to, um, you know, kind of elevate yourself within your organization, start to to follow what's going on, right? Like uh, the entrepreneurship right the spirit of entrepreneurship and innovation is not just left with startups right you can be very much innovative within these larger companies now it may look different you may have to be in in a different department um you may even be somebody who um you know is more so helping other people find startups or you know innovations that could fit well with uh you know what you're doing at your company there's multiple ways for you to be looking at what's going on you know there's multiple ways for you to, to get involved in this space um you don't have to you know work at a, a web3 company for you to be somebody that is in web3 i think that there's going to be more than enough demand from these larger uh institutional players these larger businesses where they're go they're, they're getting involved, right? It's not even they're going to, they're going to, they're, they're, they're already involved, right? And they, they need more people, um, especially if you're on the younger side. I mean, especially if you're even on the, the older side and more experienced side, I should say. Um, they, they need people to help to integrate this new technology into what they're doing and, and be creative and, and, you know, be the trailblazers within the organization as well. So um, I know we talk about, you know, we're startup founders and we we talk a lot a lot about you know ways that startups and small businesses can use it but also if you're an employee you know this is a, one of those chances where 
you can be on the forefront of something big that that happens for your company, you have a huge transformation. Um, and don't take that lightly. Don't take that lightly. Absolutely. Remember, a million developer jobs are on the rise by 2030, and three million non-technical roles are on the rise by 2030. So yeah. put yourself in that position. And one of the best ways to do that is to watch every episode of Block to Block. You know, and make sure you like, comment, subscribe with all your loved ones. And you really use this as one of your stepping stones towards building up that knowledge base. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure, yeah. man. I, I think I think that's that's a, a great way to conclude another great episode. Uh, you know, love what we talked about today. Man, I hope you, you know, you're definitely enjoying it as well. Make sure to leave a comment. And let us know what you what you think on, on the topics today and what you'd like to hear us cover and discuss. But uh, with that, I am Web3 Wayne. And I'm NFT and Jai. <laughs>